Park Hopping Podcast number 44. Celebrating 10 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan of DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 44, the podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that anyone can have their own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I got to ramble for over half an hour on Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. This time I present part three of my impromptu two-evening visit I made to the Magic Kingdom in Epcot this past Monday and Tuesday, thanks to a work trip that had me visiting Florida for those days. Today's topic will be the Seas Pavilion at Epcot, and as always, it will contain spoilers and descriptions of the attraction and even how some of the special effects are created. With that said, let's dive in. Unless you haven't been reading any of the Disney fan news sites lately or listening to pretty much any Discast that talks about Walt Disney World, you probably already know that the Seas with Nemo and Friends is the new update to the Living Seas Pavilion at Epcot. Unless you haven't visited Epcot since the Seas originally opened in 1986, you probably already know that this pavilion was once the world's largest aquarium and had the world's largest man-made coral reef and a restaurant. Well, times change, and so does Walt Disney World. Today, there's actually a larger aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia, and most of what made the seas what it was is gone. Originally, this place was basically the water pavilion for Epcot. You'd enter in past an outdoor sign that was complete with crashing waves, and you'd walk through a zigzag queue area and see props from Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea movie. Uh, after this, you'd enter a rounded room, which was basically a Peugeot slide presentation, complete with water lighting effects and stuff like that. Next, you'd enter a theater, and you'd watch a dramatic film about the oceans, and then you'd finally get to enter an area where you'd take underwater elevators, known as hydrolators, down to the ocean floor where you could explore Sea Base Alpha. The hydrolators were actually a neat bit of imagineering, kind of giving you a view outside small uh, windows in the elevators to see water and bubbles and the rock rolling up past you as, as you descended to the ocean floor. Now the floor would move around and narration would play, and if you paid attention when you entered, you'd uh, even notice that the doors were honest-to-goodness Otis elevator doors, so it was a pretty realistic illusion. I guess Otis um, must have had a waterproof elevator design division or created one in conjunction with Disney Imagineering. Right. Anyway, uh, your next stop was to exit the hydrolators and queue up uh, in an underwater area for a short ride on these continually moving sea cabs, which were omni-mover-type ride vehicles on a continuous track, similar to Spaceship Earth or the Haunted Mansion. You na- your, uh, your ride would be narrated, and it would take you through translucent tubes that looked out to the ocean floor w- before you were deposited at Sea Base Alpha proper, where uh, you could experience various underwater-themed exhibits and look at all kinds of sea creatures and divers outside of the glass walls. An audio ride-through of the sea cabs before they were closed down was presented in Park Hopping Podcast number 34, originally posted on March 18, 2006. So go back and check that out if you've never been on the sea cabs. And with the exception of the sea creatures and the divers outside the glass walls, almost nothing remains today of the original living seas in the new The Seas with Nemo and Friends. The new version of The Seas began soft opening very recently, and it had cast member and annual passholder previews. And I found the new version was actually open for business like normal last Monday evening when I dropped by Epcot an hour or so before they closed at 9 p.m. Uh, traditionally, Epcot would keep World Showcase open 
until closing time and Future World would shut down a few hours earlier, except for Spaceship Earth because it was kind of the landmark attraction of the entire park. But for some reason, Epcot now seems to keep a few of the other Future World attractions open, even though Future World was officially listed as closed by the time they got there. Uh, this included the Seas, Test Track, and Mission Space. Because of this, I was actually able to see this attraction, which from this point forward, I'd like everyone to lovingly refer to as If You Had Fins. Now, unless you've never visited the Magic Kingdom before 1987, you should probably know there was once a Tomorrowland attraction called If You Had Wings. It was an Omnimover-type ride that opened about six months after the Magic Kingdom, and it took riders on a slow-moving flight around the world. After a sponsorship change in 1987, the ride was slightly altered and renamed to If You Could Fly, where it only lasted about two years before closing in 1989. The ride was rethemed and renamed as Delta Dream Flight to go along with the new sponsor of Delta Airlines. And then around 1996, Delta sponsorship ended and the attraction became known as Take Flight. In 98, Take Flight closed, and Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin opened in the same place using the same track and ride vehicle system, just somewhat modified, around 1998. So, for everyone who has only visited after the Dream Flight retheming, let me explain how I'm not digressing right now. You see, the classic If You Had Wings attraction was a ride through simple sets with rear-projected images. You'd go past some... Uh, tropical island posters and you'd see projections of villagers dancing or cliff diving or whatever and uh, it was literally like moving through a travel brochure and it one it was one of uh, Disney's first full-length sponsor commercials built as an attraction there was uh, just something classic about this ride but it might have just been that catchy theme song that repeated over and over again if you had wings had wings had wings now later changes removed that song and by the time it became dream flight and take take flight years later um, it looked like more of the scenes actually looked more like uh, the original Epcot journey into imagination with big cutout pop-up books and things like that than it did in its original former glorious rear projected travelogue incarnation. So there were a lot of changes over the years and certainly Buzz Lightyear is nothing like the original. Somehow I, I think that I'm really digressing now, but let me just say, as a Disney child of the 70s, the moment I got on the actual new Nemo ride, all I could think, think of was if you had wings. And uh, I'll get to that in a moment, but first let me talk a bit about this ride. If you want to hear audio or see video, I've already heard and seen about a dozen or so ride-throughs on various uh, other podcasts and websites, so I'm just going to give you an overview and my thoughts on it. First, the outside of the Living Seas now sports a standalone display with large three-dimensional characters from the Disney presentation of the Pixar film Finding Nemo. It's a great photo spot. Lots of people are around there. The front of the attraction now features a new sign and three cartoonish animated seagulls that come to life now squawking, mine, 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 like uh, they apparently did in the movie. I should probably mention right now that I've never actually seen Finding Nemo, but um, those birds were fun to watch. I'd hear little kids squawking, mine, 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 as they approach the attraction entrance, which I'm sure uh, doesn't drive their parents nuts at all. So they also added some other um, fish shapes along the outside of the building, kind of giving it a new look. Um, and once you enter the queue area, you see the same curved S-shaped queue that once had movie props and posters. Now, today it's more like beach scenes with signs, including a lifeguard station, and there's at least um, one obvious tribute to the former attraction in the queue area, and possibly a second one I read about at MySage.com in a column by Kevin Yee. 
Kevin noticed the number 5A appearing in various areas. And he speculates that the 5 is like the letter S, so SA would mean C-base alpha. Since Imagineers usually try to put in tributes to former attractions when they're replaced or updated, I'm happy to carry forward this bit of speculation and help it become internet fact, right along with so many other things we repeat over and over again on these podcasts that may or may not be true. Anyway, at the end of this beach queue, where the pre-show room used to be, is now another queue area. It's kind of like you're walking underwater. All the armrails look like they're warped and bent, rusted pipes. And above is a ceiling that looks like water, the surface of the water, with all kinds of aquatic lighting effects on the ground. There's some poles going down to the ocean floor where you stand that are meant to imply you're walking under like a pier or something. And on the water ceiling, you can see more lighting effects that simulate the rippling of water that would be splashing where the poles break through the surface. Overall, it was a very cute and convincing effect. Um, now, the voyage of the Little Mermaid puppet show at Disney MGM Studios tries a similar effect in the theater by using lasers and light fog to make it appear like you're underwater, as well as a real curtain of water that comes down in front of the stage. It wasn't anything like this. No real water in this queue, and the ceiling isn't quite as neat as the laser water effect. But in my opinion, this is one of the better queues um, that Disney has created, certainly in many years. The next area, which continues to take the space formerly occupied by a uh, the theater and part of the hydrolators, as far as I can figure, is more underwater queue. It's a huge queue inside now. On the ceiling, you can actually see the bottom of a boat, again, with little lighting ripple effects. And at the end of the loading area, or it actually is the loading area, where a safety spill plays uh, over and over again before you enter the ride vehicles. Now, I've heard many people say that these are like the Haunted Mansion Doom Buggies, but other than the fact that they're shaped like clamshells um, and they kind of curve over, they really aren't. They're more like the old Epcot Horizons ride vehicles since they all face sideways and they don't turn or pivot like the mansion does. And they don't have any uh, front flap that opens up forward like the mansion. Instead, the doors the doors kind of slide open to the side as you enter, just like Horizons. So it's it's really like the Horizons ride vehicles in the shape of Doom Buggies. Um, during the ride, they don't turn. You just kind of go by sets, always facing in one direction. So it's not a full, immersive, three-dimensional ride. They just simply move you sideways past scenes to look at in front of you. Now, if these scenes... Them, well, actually, I guess I should say these scenes are what reminds me of If You Had Wings, just with much better sets. Basically, the ride moves past underwater scenes of coral reef and stuff like that while you watch projected images on screens in front of you. And these are cartoons of Nemo's dad, the scatterbrained Dory, Nemo, and various other characters from the film that I don't recognize. As you move from scene to scene, a few surprises are mixed in. Um, one of the few places where real three-dimensional characters are is a room with jellyfishes that slowly float up and down. And, and kind of at the top of the room, they use mirrors that make it look like the jellyfishes go on on and on, and that there's far many of them than there really are. Now, it was kind of weird seeing this at Epcot, because this technique um, is used by Disney quite often at Disneyland and some of the smaller attractions to make rooms look bigger. They uh, use that in Winnie the Pooh, in the Huffalump section, and in Munsters, Inc., in the door room, places like that. But usually the Walt Disney World ones don't do this because they have larger areas. Anyway, the, uh, the new sea cabs... Um, just look like modern versions of the old, uh, actually the whole ride. It, it kind of looks like modern version of the old If You Had Wings technology. Higher resolution projections of 3D computer animated stuff, you know, replaces the more grainy film projectors used. Um, that was basically technology from the 1960s. 
uh, is great effect, but again, it's it's really nothing more than moving a side-facing vehicle past some projected screens with fancy sets built around them. It's very well done, uh, very well done fancy sets, anyway. Another moment of the ride that shows uh, something interesting was a scary-looking underwater fish that was a full animated prop in darkness. Uh, the technology behind it makes it look more like a puppet on an industrial robot arm or something, kind of like those laser gun tracker things in Stitch's Great, uh, Great Escape. This fish could move very fast. It could zip around the scene from one end of the room to the next, chasing another smaller fish just blazingly fast. It was very cool, and, and this is one of the things that most impressed me in the ride, since I've never really seen anything like it before. You know, it's very cool. Seeing something that fast up close was neat. Um, later the ride goes through a tube area that is supposed to represent some high current part of the ocean near Australia. The entire curved wall is, is one large image made out of many projections, and you kind of got to surf along with Crush the Turtle and others. Near the end, the projected current bubbles up, starting to give the illusion that everything's spinning through the tube. It's actually pretty similar to the effect at the launch tube at Disneyland's new Space Mountain update, except you're only looking at one side instead of passing through something that surrounds you that's rotating. It's very cool and convincing, actually. It's really amazing what something as simple as projections can create when applied in a creative way with neat sets. Finally, the, the big part of the attraction arrives. It's the one thing that had more people talking about this ride ahead of time. Some new system of projecting images of animated fish out into a real aquarium. And your vehicle moves past the glass wall that looks out on the, the aquarium floor. And for the next few scenes, you actually see Nemo and friends swimming around in three-dimensional space. You know, it's kind of as if they're in the water with the real fish. Um, it looked really, really, really good. And it's certainly one of those Disney moments when your mouth opens and you just say, Wow! Uh, never seen anything like this before. But, you know, to me, the most amazing part of this effect, you know what that was? It's just absolutely nothing new. It's once again just a reflection on glass. Uh, it's an effect called Pepper's Ghost, just like the one used in the Haunted Mansion ballroom scene. And if you, j if you look just directly up above your clamshell sea cab, you'll see images of the fish being projected on a wall above you, some kind of little tilted screen. And when you look out in front of you, these reflections of those projections are seen as if they're out in the water. It's just like the mansion's reflections of ghosts above or below your doom buggy and how they appear to be in the ballroom. It's fantastic. The magic here is not how it works, but that someone at Disney actually had the idea of using it this way to mix images in the water. Um, I kind of wonder how they're going to do this at the Disneyland Finding Nemo submarine voyage because they will not have the ability to reflect off of glass, so they're going to have to be using some other way to do it. So maybe that's the technology that we're waiting on, and this was just an easy way for them to recreate a similar effect in Florida. Now, for, for those of you that are into home imagineering, here's kind of a, a real fun experiment you can try if you have an aquarium. Just take a TV set and point it at your aquarium about a foot away from one of the sides. Then if you look from above the TV set to the aquarium, you'll see the TV picture as if it's floating inside the aquarium itself. Um, get or make a tape of, like, puppet fish against a solid black background, and you can suddenly create a Disney-style visual effect for your uh, animated puppet fish swimming around with, you know, whatever you really have in the aquarium. I love this effect so much, I'm actually planning on building something for a local haunted house next year that'll have ghost fish and other surprises swimming through a real aquarium that visitors will see through windows in the walls as they walk through the attraction. But uh, to discuss those plans here really would be digressing.
All right. So in, at any rate, this new attraction is absolutely beautiful. I'm not sure if it would be an e-ticket using the old standard, since it's kind of a cross between a typical Fantasyland dark ride with some Haunted Mansion effects thrown in. One of these days, I actually need to look up a listing of what ticket levels the old attractions um, used, kind of to help describe and compare new ones. Of course, unless you visited a Disney park before they phased out coupon books completely around 1982, you probably only know the term e-ticket to mean... A really, really cool Disney ride. And using that description, I'd happily call this ride an e-ticket. It has a great queue, some stunning visual effects, and a lot of humor. And just like the 1969 Haunted Mansion technology that still impresses guests 27 years later, I expect the aquarium sequences are going to have folks saying, Wow, how'd they do that? That must be holograms for years to come. I mean, just realizing, I mean, I realized how it was done immediately but still found it absolutely beautifully executed just amazing it's it's again it's what you do with the technology not the technology itself kind of like magic some of the simplest tricks in the world are the most impressive so that's my take on the new sea cabs ride i didn't spend any time exploring the redecorated sea base inside they had uh, the original turtle talk with crush which i've seen a number of times at disneyland or disney's california adventure anyway and there were various other places where you could still go out and look at the underwater sea life, but my time was very, very limited, and I had a few more stops to make. So coming up in future episodes, I plan to talk about Mission Space, the new journey into imagination with Figment, and a few other changes at Epcot since my last visit in 1999. And from the Magic Kingdom, I plan to talk about Mickey's PhilharMagic 3D movie, Stitch's Great Escape, and the updated Pirates of the Caribbean, among other things. Stay tuned, I'll try to get past these talk-only shows and return to something more interesting soon. So, the next time you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again. And on that note, I think it'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse about 35,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks. And if you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at DisneyFans.com. If you'd rather use the telephone, you can dial 206-2030-ACP. That's another crappy podcast. Again, the number is 203227 and leave me a voicemail. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 44, If You Had Fins. Thanks for listening. Another crappy podcast production. If You Had Wings Ride theme song, remixed by Alan Huffman, based on a MIDI file by Michael Flint of DisneyWorld.net. That's D-I-Z-N-E-Y world.net. As always, copyrighted content used on this program is used without permission. Please don't sue me. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting <sighs> podcasts.
nothing to hear here. Move along.